I had my visa interview this week, uh, and it was a very anxious time for me. I don't know if you know, but uh, uh, it was it was just filled with a lot of anxiety, a little bit of fear. Uh, and as I was in Seoul, and I was like, you know, I felt this weightiness on me, and I was, you know, I had a chance to go to the church uh, in Seoul, our campus in Seoul, and they have a, a Thursday night prayer meeting um, called K1, and kind of joined them, and I had a chance to pray, and uh, I was led to Hebrews 13, which happens to be the chapter that we are on this week. Uh, I was like kind of reading, and uh, I was led to Hebrews 13, and this is the last chapter of Hebrews. I've been on the book of Hebrews for what seems like forever. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'll, we're going to uh, kind of read out of Hebrews 13, and it really spoke to me, and I'm going to read it to you uh, from verse 1. Uh, these are some like kind of really like wise, uh, you know, um, just exhortations that uh, the writer of Hebrews is giving to the people. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby, have, uh, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Uh, remember those who are in prison as though in prison, as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be not defiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Um, that part, the writer is quoting uh, Deuteronomy 31.8. He's also quoting Psalm 118.6, where he says, um, you know, what can man do to me? That's from Psalm 118.6. Uh, and Psalm 18 is actually one of my favorite um, psalms of the Bible. Uh, and, uh, and I kind of felt led to preach this sermon um, out of you know Hebrews 13, because we are on Hebrews 13. Um, but I wanted to kind of talk to you about uh, fear and anxiety and just uh, how how a lot of us, you know, we go through seasons like this. And we and, and I preached this sermon before and um, and I feel like it's just another uh, opportunity for us to really tackle this issue because we all kind of struggle at times with fear and anxiety. Uh, for me personally, this year is supposed to be a year of faith, right? Uh, we're talking about it. At the end of last year, 2021, in the beginning of this year, we were having a conversation with our staff up in Seoul, and we are you know, talking about things. And I, I, I felt God was telling me, okay, this is going to be a year of faith for you, right? It's going to be a year, a year of you kind of really, like, you know, breaking out in faith. But one thing that people sometimes forget is in order for us to have big faith sometimes, we have to overcome great fear, right? Um, you know... Sometimes we have to battle epic anxieties. Because it, it, it takes very little faith to say yes and amen when things are all easy breezy, going well. But sometimes we need big faith to overcome big obstacles. And those big obstacles come with big fear and anxiety. Now when most people become Christians, they feel like there's an expectation that we're not supposed to struggle with these things. We're not supposed to struggle with fear. We're not supposed to struggle with anxiety. You know, faith keeps us from worry. Faith keeps us from fear and anxiety. But that's where a lot of us, we kind of, we're, we're off. We're, we're wrong in a sense. 
Because there's two things. Because when we were saved, we became friends of God, but we also became the enemy of the devil, right? And a lot of demonic forces that are out there to thwart the plans of God and thwart the plans of God's people. So sometimes, some of these obstacles that bring just like fear and anxiety are, are from the devil, right? The devil can kind of, you know, mess with you. But sometimes, there are these obstacles that is just a part of God's plan. Right? God will just bring into your life obstacles and, and, and things that we need to overcome that's going to bring anxiety, that's going to bring fear, that's going to bring doubt, all these things, and it's just a part of God's plan. And I don't want to scare some of you guys, but if you believe that being a Christian is all about, you know, laying around in green pastures and, and you know, drinking, you know, being led to still water, you know, because it says in the Psalms, you know, it talks about green pastures and still water, but that same Psalm also talks about walking through the valley of shadow of death, right? So it's not just all green pastures and, and, and you know, fresh water and, and all that. You know, there's going to be seasons in our lives where we're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's about expectation. We need to be expecting right, things to happen in our lives, things, obstacles in our lives that will just that might just bring fear, anxiety, and worries, and, and, and things like that into our lives. Circumstances in our lives that will cause us to question ourselves, and even question God, because we're not perfect. And the worst thing that we can do is pretend that we don't have fear and anxiety in our lives, when we do. The worst thing that we can do when we have doubt, you know, when we may doubt God's goodness, or when we may have fear, is to just say everything's good. And we kind of numb ourselves and we just say, oh, it's all good. Right? I'm a Christian. God's with me. I'm just going to, you know, it's just, I'm just going to have faith. Because when we kind of numb ourselves to the fear, when we numb ourselves to the anxiety, it kind of, we lose the chance for God to sanctify us when we deal with and confront these fears and anxieties with Him. Jesus said that in the world we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So as a believer, one of the first real weapons in combating fear and anxiety is to understand that fear and anxiety will come sometimes. We just have to know that, and we just have to realize that fear and anxiety and worry and trials and difficulties will be a part of our lives, that knowledge that knowledge alone is the first step in overcoming fear and anxiety. Expect it. Right? And don't be don't be like caught off guard when these things happen. Because it's it's just a part of of the life that God has for us. He 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 I'm gonna talk about it, but he 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 he's not trying to, you know, like create a a, a people of God that are like, you know that has everything done for them and made for them and everything is, is perfect and wrapped up in a good bowl and given to them every time. God's creating a people of God that are ultimately going to get to a point where, you know, we, we walk through the tribulation. That, that we, we will be the church that, that will come through onto the other side and we, you know, God finds us spotless and blameless and pure. And knowing that when we face struggles like this, and when we face, you know, fears when they come, and anxiety when they come, and, and, and we're not, you know, 
and we are not ex that we're not exempt from these things is huge because it keeps us looking at God rightly. Because when we're not expecting fear and trials and anxiety, if we believe that that because God is with us, that we are exempt from these things, when they come, it causes us to see God wrongly. And, and our lives in, in wrongly, right? Maybe we feel, we feel that, you know, God's not as loving as it says in the Word of God. When maybe we feel like, oh, He's not with me. Or maybe we feel that, you know, that maybe we did something wrong and God is punishing me. Maybe I, uh, you know, like that, that, you know, He's mad at me. And he's passive aggressive towards me. Like we have, we have the an opportunity to fall down into wrong thinking when we don't understand and realize that that some of these anxieties that may come, these fears that may come, these these trials that may come is just going to be a part of our life in Christ. And what 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 happens is it, it creates distance in our relationship with God. If we're not expecting it, right? Then and when these things happen, it creates distance in our relationship with God. Uh, we like, you know, something something bad happens, we start to freak out, and then we cry out to God, and we don't hear anything. All of a sudden, we start thinking like, "Oh, God hates me. God's not real. God's not real." Now, when I was when I was in line for the visa interview, man, I was anxious. I don't think I have I've been that anxious in a long time. Uh, I think it was one of those, the, the most, kind of like the heaviness that I felt in a long time. Like, it like brought me back to all the, the days when I was like going through the whole like, you know, prison system and, you know, like not knowing where I was going to end up and all that. I kind of like relived that as I was like, you know, thinking about these, you know, these people like talking to me and everything. And I, and I, I was feeling really anxious and I could f definitely feel this weight of fear in my heart. You know, and, and when the guy told me, like, oh, sorry, I can't give you this waiver, and he gave me that piece of paper and told me to go on my way, you know, as, as soon as that happened, and like, like, and I was walking out, I was kind of shocked, and I, I was feeling like all these, like, thoughts started going my, through my head, like, oh, God doesn't love me, God's not with me, I started having all these doubts, you know, like something, like, I did something wrong, and God, you know, all of these things, but then I got out of there, right, I got out of there, because, like, the U.S. Embassy can be a little scary, <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, official people and everybody just looks really mad in there, right? So I got out of there and I was walking back to my hotel room and, and, and I was, you know, taking this walk and I, I didn't, I, I just, you know, I was just walking towards the right direction, you know, and I was just walking and then uh, I called Mina and she didn't pick up. She was probably sleeping. So I was just like, you know, I, I texted my lawyer like, hey, you know, I didn't go down. Uh, and then so I was walking and then I just started, and then I got outside and I started to pray. And and I started praying, and my heart ran to God. Right? Now, like the the first thing that God kind of like when this happened, and like after the kind of the like the just the the shock wore off, the first thing that I was like like th that God showed me was all of the people that had contacted me, saying that they were praying for me, and it's like people from all around the world, the people from like America, LA, both coasts. Australia, like Seoul, Busan, and I just felt like, like all these people were just like telling me like, hey, I'm praying for you. You know, my friend Danny like texted me, he's like, hey, how'd it go? And I was like, hey, you know, like it didn't go well. And he's like, oh man, all of a sudden people, and I, and I just like, I just got, I, my heart ran to God and God was showing me like, hey, like, and then I was reminded of that verse, right? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And I realized all of that fear that I had, and ultimately, 
right? It was for nothing. But, but God was with me in that process. And, and, and then, and my heart ran to God. I was like, oh Lord, thank you. I started thanking the Lord. I was like, thank you. Thank you. That, you know, you're such a, you've blessed me so much. And I, I, all of these things started running through my life. Our church community, my family, my friends, you know, it's like all of the people that, that have, have been, that we've been sowing into and they've been sowing into us and been such a blessing. And all of your faces came up and I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. And when we think, you know, when we think that we're not supposed to have fear and anxiety, worries in our life, it creates in us a wrong understanding of our relationship with Him when they come. A lot of times it causes us to distance ourselves from God. Like we think like, oh, God's supposed to be all, you know, like, He's, He's, He, you know, He's my, He's my Lord, you know, like, you know, and, and He's like, He's always getting, we pray, like supernatural, you know, I'm not putting down the supernatural. <laughs> And then, and then things don't, and people don't expect that some things might not work, turn out the way, and there might be anxiety and fear in their lives, and all of a sudden they start to distance themselves from God. They're like, "Oh, God doesn't love me anymore." It creates us in an understanding, a wrong understanding of who God is to us, and it causes distance to be created in our lives. And so, for us to have the right understanding of fear and anxiety in our lives. We have to expect it and know that the power to fight it is in our relationship with God. And we go back to the start. We go back to creation of Adam and Eve and what God intended at the beginning for His people. I'm going to read Genesis 1, 28-31 to you guys. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that create creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so... And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So in the beginning, we see God establishing man in a world with no lack. There's no want. There's no worries. There's no fear. There's no anxiety. God gave them everything. But we have to realize that what God gave them was not the end all, right? God didn't give them all these things just, just to give them all of these things. He created the Garden of Eden so that, that they can have all of these things. It was just a means to an end. And that end was relationship with God. And it was out of the overflow of their relationship with God that they had all of these things. God didn't create Adam and Eve so that they can, like, become God's pets. Right? Like, our kids... Ezra the other day got um, sea monkeys. Have you ever had sea monkeys before growing up? You guys don't have that? So sea monkeys, I had them when I was a kid. It's like this packet of powder. I think they're like, you know, like eggs of some kind of shrimp or something. You put it in water. They give you a little, you know, like a little clear thing that you can look. They put it in water, stir it up, and you just sit there. And they, these little shrimps hatch and they start to float around. Right? And the, 
And then when Ezra got, got, he got it from school, he brought it home, he was so excited. He was in the elevator and I was explaining to him what it was. He's like, hey, this is, I had this when I was a kid. These are sea monkeys and you do these and these little shrimps will form and then you can feed them and blah, blah, blah. And Ezra was like, oh, I'm so excited, right? I'm so excited. And so they've been like looking at this little piece of thing every night, every day. We put it on our bookshelf and they just want to see the little things floating around in there, right? But that God didn't create us in that way. We're not sea monkeys, right? But what did God do? He made us in His own image. So not only can He can, can He give them everything, but He can have a relationship with them. That relationship was the end goal. He God created the Garden of Eden and put everything that was in there, all of the creepy crawly things on the ground and all the things that swim and all the things that fly and all of the trees that bear this and bear that and all of, you know, all of that. He put all of that in there, not just so that they can have it, but so that they can have relationship with God. Prosperity was the overflow of their relationship. He wanted Adam to experience the fullness of the relationship that he gave to him. And vice versa. He wanted them to be in this connection, this, this union. They wanted to, he wanted to walk with them in the garden, right? And it's out of this relationship that they have the abundance. Not only do they have abundance, but they have honor. Right? They, God tells them, like, rule over all creation, right? He gives them the mandate to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the creation. You want to be prosperous, fruitful, yeah, and you are to be honored, right? Above all other creation, you are supposed to be like the greatest created being ever, right? You're better than like the smartest animal. You're, you know, like, like, like you are made in my image. That's honor, right? And, and God gives Adam and Eve, and God gives man this type of relationship. It was an overflow of the relationship that he had with it, with him. And when this relationship was severed because of sin, Right, we see two things happen, right, that come upon this earth. We see fear and anxiety enter into the lives of man, and it starts to wreak havoc on the lives of the people, right, throughout history. Right, Genesis 3 verse 17, and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. I want you to remember that. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. We see at the fall two things that sin creates. We see lack and death. Sin brings lack and death into the world. He's like, hey, remember what he said. Like, cursed is the ground because of you, right? That lack breeds anxiety and worry in man. We have anxiety because of lack. And then death brings fear, right? It's the antithesis of what God wanted for his creation. Antithesis is just a fancy word for opposite, right? It's the opposite, it's the complete opposite of what God intended for His people. Now, it's easy to think that this is God punishing Adam and Eve 
But what's happening? Right? Is God bringing lack and death? No. It's sin. Curse is a ground because of you, what you did. What sin that you caused is bringing lack and death into this world. In the fallen world, these two things wreak havoc on people. We are anxious of lack and we fear death. And so fear and anxiety is not something that God put into the world to mess with us. God is not the source of fear and anxiety, but it comes from the severed relationship that we have with God. God never wanted for us to be in lack, and He never wanted us to, to face death. That, that was His original intention. God didn't say, hey, I'm gonna create, I'm gonna create Melvin, and I'm gonna make him, I'm gonna make him so fearful, and I'm gonna make him so anxious, and, and I'm gonna, I, you know, and I'm gonna do, you know, like, I don't wanna say that as bad. So, and I'm not gonna choose Melvin, I'll choose some imaginary person named Clyde over here. I'll choose Clyde, and I'm gonna make him super anxious, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna make sure that he dies in the end. No, the God, that was not God's intention. God's intention was for us to have the fullness of His relationship with Him, so that we can, so we can be with Him in unity. Sin of man and the fallen nature of this world breeds fear and anxiety. We create nations and governments to save us from lack and we raise armies to save us from death. But the basis of man's struggle with fear and anxiety is our severed relationship with God. Because our relationship was severed, why? Because of man and sin, it creates this chasm of fear and anxiety. But what happened? Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus came and he did what he did. And he reestablishes our relationship with God. And today, we look at Matthew 6. And this is one of the most encouraging verses. Whenever you feel anxious, whenever you feel fear, read this passage, right? And this is Jesus' solution to our fear and anxiety issue. And what does Jesus say about the matter? Matthew 6.25 Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Did I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of, of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after the, all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you, you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now we have to see here that Jesus is doing, what, what Jesus is doing regarding anxiety and fear isn't to get rid of it for us. Right? 
His answer isn't necessary to remove the things that's causing our fear and anxiety. You know, when, when our kids were young, we, we, like, when they get scared of something, we turn it off or we put something away so that, you know, they don't get scared. But ultimately, we get, we, when they start to grow up, we want them to conquer their fears, right? We want them to, to get past those fears and, and move past them. And what Jesus wants to do regarding our fears and our anxiety isn't to just remove them, but He wants to walk with us through the fear, through the anxiety, and show us that ultimately they weren't as bad as we thought they were. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can losing my job do to me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not fear. What will, like, you know, this do to me? Whatever it is, right? In the, in the, the, the author of, of Hebrews is just talking about money, but it can be anything. It can be, you know, like, you, you lose your job, you know, like, somebody's sick, whatever it is. What can that do to me? The Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? And what Jesus wants regarding our fear and anxiety isn't to just remove them, but He wants us to walk with us. He wants to walk with us through the fear, through the anxiety, and show us that ultimately in the end, He is greater. And Jesus starts off in Matthew 6, 25, says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, what Jesus is doing here is revealing to us the futility of our priorities. He's saying life is more than our food, life is more than... Your clothing is more than the things that we put as priorities in our lives. He's getting at the priorities in which we look at life. He's saying, be careful that what you value, you can't, you give certain, what value you give certain things because the more value you give to something, the more fear and anxiety will rule and reign around those things. The more you hold things tightly, the more fear and anxiety will rule your life regarding those things. Money, right? The more you, the, like, we all need it. I'm not saying, like, you know, give all your money away and, you know, like, you know, just like, don't get a job and just live on the street. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> we all need it. We need rent. We need food. We need, I, we gotta feed our kids, right? God entrusts me as a father and me as a mother to provide for our kids. So we're not saying, like, just like, don't care about money, right? We need money, right? We not, I'm not going to let my kids starve, right? God doesn't want me to let my kids starve. But he's saying like, hey, don't let that money rule your life. Because it's, what, what's going to happen is when you when you allow money to start to rule your life, when you hold on to it too tightly, right, what's going to start to form around money is going to, fear and anxiety is going to start to form around money. Jesus is showing us the futility of our priorities. Now, like you, you see rich people, some of the most rich, like the richest people, are some of the most miserable people. I'm not saying that you know there's some rich people that don't have fun. Dude, they have fun. You know, we seen that TV show with Rain and that guy on Netflix that like traveling around on motorcycle, like eating good food and like going to all these. Things. I, I don't know what that's called. I saw the Busan episode and I was like, oh, it must be nice being rich and famous, right? <laughs> and doing all these fun things, right? I'm not saying, but, but I'm saying there's some people that hold on to money, they hold on to fame, they hold on to their looks, they hold on to whatever, like their children, like whatever, so tightly, right? 
Instead of it becoming a gift from the Lord, it becomes this thing that becomes an idol, and all of a sudden, fear and anxiety starts to form around those things. That's why we have we have, we have people that are just like one. Some of their biggest anxieties and fear come from their parents. You have those kids as your students. You know that those parents are idolizing their children, and what happens is fear and anxiety starts to build around them. Like, oh, I have to please my dad. I have to please my mom. I gotta do this. I gotta do that, right? because they're idolizing. Like, and 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 one of the things that like our, our as parents, one of the things that we learn as we start to have kids is like, hey, like we gotta learn to uh, Christian parents is we gotta learn to like like surrender our kids to the Lord. And it's hard sometimes, man. It's hard. Right? Like when they're first born, they're just like so helpless and they're so cute. And you're like, we've been going through all these old pictures of Ethan and Ezra, and they were so cute when they were young. They're a little gross now, but they were so cute when they were, I remember that time, and I remember God would tell me, like, hey, are you gonna, are you surrendering your children to me? I'd be like, oh, maybe when they get older and they're like, annoying. <laughs> right now they're perfect, right? I whatever it is, the more we try to hold on to it, the more it creates fear and anxiety around it. Sin of idolatry breeds fear and anxiety. You guys have to understand that. I'll say it again. The sin of idolatry breeds fear and anxiety. Because ultimately, we put so much hope in that whatever it is that we're idolizing. Right? And ultimately, when that fails, and, and we have this you know, premonition, oh, that thing's going to fail me in some way or form, that's to breathe this fear and anxiety in our hearts. And then Jesus brings it back to God's original plan for us, for His people. He po- points out the immense value and honor that He places on us. Verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He brings it back to relationship. This relationship where God loves and values us so much. He's like, this is the relationship that you have with the Father. We're not like the rest of creation that's not made in His image, but we are made in His image so that He can have this relationship with us. A love relationship where He cares for us and wants to give us His perfect will for our lives. He created Adam and Eve and gave them His perfect will for them. And He gave us Christ to save us. And He knows that we need, and He knows that we're what's best for us. God knows what's best. And we're to remain in that place of trust that comes not from just what we think God is like, but from a true relationship with Him. When we truly have a relationship with God, right, where, where we, we're like, God, you know, I know that you are with me. That's, that's what starts to break off some of that fear and anxiety when they come. 
And it's in that relationship we learn to understand how God and righteous, you know, how, how good and righteous and holy God is, you know, like how loving He is. You can't know how loving God is unless you're in a relationship with Him. You can't. You can't, you can't, like, know how much He loves you unless you're actually in a relationship with Him. You can't just do it by, like, you know, observing from afar. I think God loves me, right? It's only when we're in that relationship and we, and then, and we go through, we go through the muck, we go through the mud, we go through, like, the, you know, the, the, the crazy, messy, you know, like, just the, just the, the, you know, the things in our lives and all of a sudden we, we, we depend on His relationship. We're like, God, I'm depending on you. I need you. And then He carries us through. That's what we start to realize. Oh, God really does love me. God really is for me. And, and do, do those obstacles magically go away? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And God might be drawing us into a deeper relationship so that we can walk, that He can walk with us through whatever we need to go through. Right? I'll give you a great example is David. David, right, Samuel comes to David and says, Hey, God has chosen you to be king. Right? At the time, Saul was king. Right? But Saul, you know, he, he was a big mess. And so God anoints David to be king. But God didn't remove all of the things that would come against God's perfect will for his life. God didn't automatically remove Saul, right? Didn't, like, you know, as a matter of fact, God says that God, like, gave him an evil spirit, right? That evil spirit, I don't want you to think was like a demon, right? And you're, if, like, I, I, we're going through this in, in our hermeneutics class. When we think about, like, what God, like, allowed an evil spirit to enter into Saul, that's, that's a definition of evil spirit that's in the New Testament of like demonic, like Old Testament people they didn't really even understand what de- they didn't know what demons were. So when they talk about an like, evil spirit, right, it's not God using like a demon demon to go. It's talking about like a, a like a grumbling spirit, a depressed spirit, like you know, like an angry spirit, a bitter spirit, right? Right. So so he he allows Saul to get just all bitter inside, and then what does he do? Like David's playing the liar. He's like, oh, I don't know what what a liar actually is, but. And he's playing whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, Paul like chucks the spear at him, and he's like, ah, I'm gonna kill you, right? And David has to run, he has to run, and it's not just like he runs to the next house next door, he has to run into the woods, he has to live in caves, running from his life, because the king of the nation is trying to kill you, right? God didn't just like say, hey, I'm gonna make you king, David, and I'm gonna, see this guy saw, I'm just gonna remove him, right? I'm gonna take him away. And then I'm going to just let you become this king and you're going to walk through. Everybody's going to recognize you and everybody's going to think that you're the best. No. He says, you're going to be king. I, I'm going to anoint you as king. And then and then God puts him on this path where he's hunted for his life. Right? If I was David, I'd be like, God, what are you doing? What's going on? I thought you wanted me to be king. Like, why? It seems like you're trying to kill me, right? But then with David, what he had was he had a relationship with God. I want to read you the psalm that he writes when he's being hunted by Saul. He says, where he he knew and understood the goodness of God, right? He knew that God was with him no matter what, what was happening around him. That he is righteous and holy. He says, How long, Lord, is, uh, how long, Lord, 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemies will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But, there's a but, I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for He has been good to me. This is when he's being hunted, right? This is when he had to run around. He's fleeing from Saul. And he's saying, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices. That's relationship. That's relationship that David fostered when he was a little shepherd boy, taking care of his sheep, and he was writing some of these psalms, and he was experiencing just just the worship of the Lord. It comes from that he's just worshiping God. He like, you know, like I could imagine today, like you having a guitar, and you know, like you're playing and you're singing to the Lord, and you're just like, you know, just experiencing the presence of God, right? And you develop this relationship with Him that's so strong that you can go against a giant. That's nine feet tall. And you're just a little boy with just a little sling. And you have no fear. You call him an uncircumcised Philistine. Right? How dare you, you uncircumcised. And he's, right? Where did that come from? Where did all that come from? Where did that, you know, is it because he was just a, you know, like a cleric or he was just like a man of not? It, it came from his relationship with the Lord. Jesus never said that he would always magically remove the objects of our fear and anxiety. But he said he would be with us as we walk through them. And we will have the strength and the power to overcome because he is with us. A lot of times we we, we go to God and we think, God, remove this. And when he doesn't, we just get depressed. And we just like, we just like distance ourselves from God. But then God's saying like, hey, when, when, when things like that happen and when you start to feel anxious, lean into God. Start to lean into God and say, God, I need you. I'm leaning into you. Be with me as I walk through this. There's a lot of, you know, there's some people and I've gone through this in my life where I can tell that God is trying to teach me a lesson and God wants me to go through certain things, right? And I just, you know, I just, I just kind of, I punk out, right? <laughs> Sorry, God, I don't want to do this now, right? And God's really gracious, but then it always comes up again. God's like, hey, I want you to, I want you to see if you can kind of get, get past this. And, and then those obstacles will come and I'll be like, oh, I don't want. But then when we actually lean in and we say, God, I'm going to have to go through this obstacle because you apparently are not going to remove it, right? I know you're with me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this. Be with me as I go through it. And you walk and God walks with you through that. That's where trust is built. That's where faith rises up. That's where we're transformed. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not you are with me, so I don't want to walk through this valley, right? A lot of times we, we, we do it like that. We're like, oh, Lord, I don't want to walk through this valley. Remove it or I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. Right? And a lot of times we miss out on the blessings of the Lord. We miss out on the assignments that he has for us. 
We, sight, we miss out on the increase that He has planned for us. But for me, I feel like one of the big things that, like, like, you know, like I, I, I could have been done with seminary years ago. And God would, God would challenge me. He's like, hey, Caleb, just like, get into a position where even if you have to like go through undergrad all over again, just, just do it, right? And I'd be like, ah, oh, I can't do it. And it was like, it was like an impossibility in my mind. I think if I, if at one point earlier on, like maybe like when I first got to Wuhan and I was just like, God, I, I'm just going to press through and do it. I would have learned that lesson. Jesus tells us, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's like, don't worry about tomorrow, because there will be plenty of things to be anxious about tomorrow. Jesus doesn't say, don't worry about tomorrow, because I'm going to make everything right, and everything go the way that you want it to go. He tells us, don't worry about tomorrow, because I'm giving you grace for you to walk through whatever you're going through for today. And he says, seek my kingdom. Seek after God. Seek me. And I will give you grace for you to overcome today. Don't worry about tomorrow because there will be plenty of trouble tomorrow, but I'll be with you tomorrow. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He's saying, "Seek me, seek my kingdom," and you, you know. And He's not saying you're going to get what you want, right? You get me. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then you get me. You get my kingdom. You get my will. You get my plans, and I am enough for you. My ways, my will, my plans are enough for you. He is our bread, He is our portion, and He is enough. A lot of times that doesn't sound very reassuring to people that are like control freaks, right? They want to be in control of their destiny. Then God is like, hey, I'm in control. You got to give over control to me. It's a relationship. It's giving over our fears and anxiety to the Lord. First Peter 5, 6, humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. It's not about not fearing and not being anxious. We think like that. We're like, oh, I'm not supposed to fear. I'm not supposed to feel anxious. And when I feel anxious, I'm not being a good Christian. And so now I have to... No. A lot of times, we... We're too proud to say that we have fear. And that's like the worst thing that we can do. It's not about us blindly just suffering our fears and anxiety. That's not healthy. We will be afraid at times. We will be worried. We will have anxiety. Faith doesn't mean that we were immune to these things, but faith is taking these fears and giving them over to God and trusting that He is what He says He is. That's, that requires relationship. There's a big difference between numbing yourself and submitting yourself. Let me say that again. There's a big difference between numbing yourself and submitting yourself. And submitting yourself requires vulnerability, requires repentance, requires opening up our hearts, 
numbing ourselves. We just close ourselves up. I don't feel anything. Yeah, he hurt me. I have unforgiveness, but what am I going to do? I'm, a, I'm I have faith, and so I'm just gonna, so just gonna hold on. Oh yeah, you know, like you know, that's that that's might happen in my life, but then you know, I, like you know, I don't feel anxious. I'm just gonna just like numb myself and just like you know, do this all day. Or I'm gonna just numb myself with entertainment. I'm gonna numb myself with alcohol. I'm just gonna numb myself with this and that. But then there's a there's a difference between submission submission and and surrendering to the Lord. And when we have anxiety, when we have fear, whatever it is, when we have these obstacles, we have to learn to surrender them. Say, God, I have this, and it's 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 making me fearful. It's making me anxious. I don't know what to do. I'm gonna surrender it up to you, and then I'm gonna allow you to 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 minister to my heart and lead me and teach me to what to do. I want to close with 1 John 1 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him there is no darkness. And it's about bringing our issues into the light. God doesn't want us to deal with these fears and these things alone by ourselves in the dark. Just letting it fester in our hearts and in our minds. He wants us to bring it to Him. He wants us to be vulnerable. He wants us to like say, God, have a relationship with me. Talk with me. Dialogue with me. And I want to tell you that this is not something that I've mastered, right? I'm a warrior. This is the way that I, I've kind of been raised up since I was a kid. I have a very worrying mom, and so a lot of that like, kind of lashed up on me. But I struggle with fear and anxiety a lot. I'm preaching to myself here, but I've come to know a Savior who is with me and understands me and I can empathize with me. You know, Jesus faced anxiety. We think that, you know, like when you read the Gospels, Jesus always seems so cool and so like got it together, right? He like always knows what to say, right? So there's a blind person and he's like, oh, Jesus, this man's blind. He's like, spits on the ground, makes a little mud, Puts it on the guy's eye, go wash. And it's like, bam, he's healed, right? Like, the dude was cool, right? He always had it together, right? But you know, Jesus faced anxiety. He wasn't immune to it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And he pauses and says, nevertheless, not as I will, but you but as you will. And he prays this three times. He keeps going back. And then he, he goes to his disciples and he's like, man, they're all falling asleep. He's like, man, wake up, dude. Can't you just pray with me for just one hour? Right? Why did he want them to pray? He, you know, he, he was feeling the weight. In Luke, the, the, the account, he says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus understands our fears. He understands our anxiety. And He empathizes with us. Hebrews 4.15 talked about it earlier when we were covering Hebrews. Says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He is one I can lay my fears and anxieties at his feet and he gives me the grace to face and walk through my fears. He walks with me. 
He walks with you. He's with me in my fears. He's with me in my anxiety. He's with me. And His grace helps me to endure. For today. A lot of times we're just like always thinking about the future and like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, this is coming up. But He's like, hey, I'm giving you grace for today. And when that comes, have faith in me knowing that I will be with you then as well. When tomorrow comes, he will be there to walk with you and to be with you. And there's nothing that we can't walk through because he's always with us. That's relationship. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We have to understand that the Lord is our helper. Let us cast our fears and anxieties upon the Lord. And, and let us continue to just approach Him. He has a throne of grace. It's not the throne of, you know, like, like, aloftness. If you, you know, like, none of us can approach the Queen of England, right? No, we can't. Like, they'll, they'll, somebody will tackle us eventually, right? We try to approach, you know, like, Who's the president now? Joe Biden? Right? We try to approach him a little too quickly. Someone's going to knock us down, arrest us, right? But then, God's throne is not like that. His throne is a throne of grace. He's like, approach it with confidence, not because of what you have done, because of what my son has done. Approach me. You can, I want a relationship with you. I want you to come to me and lay all of your burdens and your fears and your anxieties upon me. I'll walk with you through the valley, the shadow of death. Let's all stand up and let's pray. I want to pray for us a little bit here. And I want to pray for us that some of us, we might be going through some anxious times, times of anxiety, times of, you know, like, you know, fear. Some of us might be going through, I'm going through it right now. You know, I, I continually, you know, whenever I think about, you know, this, this, this process that I'm in, I, I feel anxious. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and say that I don't. <laughs> And some of you guys might be feeling anxious. Some of you guys might be feeling fearful. Some of you guys might be in a situation where you have something hanging over you and you just don't know what to do. It might be a little too heavy. I want to remind you that you have a Savior that is with you, that walks with you. Jesus walks with you. He's not going to get rid of everything. He's not going to, he's not going to magically, you know, like, you know, remove obstacles for, for you. He might do that, but if he doesn't, doesn't mean that he's not there. When those obstacles remain, it doesn't mean that Jesus is far. It doesn't mean that he's angry. It doesn't mean that he's off somewhere doing another thing. Jesus is close. He's, he's with you. And He wants to walk with you. He wants to take those steps with you. So, for all of you guys and that are having struggles with anxiety and fear, I want to pray for you right now. And, and I'm praying for myself as well. So you guys, place your hand on your heart right now. All of you guys, place your hand on your heart. And as I pray, I want you to 
pray to Jesus say, Jesus guard my heart and help me to put place my, my faith and my trust in you and help me to realize that whatever I have to go through whatever I have to endure you are with me so Lord I pray for every single person that's in here every single person that's watching through Facebook Lord Lord, we just pray for our anxieties and our fears. Lord, help us to cast them at your feet. And we thank you that you are seated on a throne of grace. And we approach your throne of grace with confidence. Not because of what we have done. Not because how clean we can get ourselves. But because of what you've done. And it gives us the boldness and the confidence to approach your throne and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I, I need you to I need you to, to, to break off this, this fear. I need you to just remove this thing. I need you to help me have have faith. Like that that, that man answered, I believe. That help my unbelief. I I didn't understand that until recently I just realized, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. The Lord, I just pray. All of us, all the people that are struggling with anxiety, struggling with fear, struggling with just the unknown of things, Lord, help us to to know that you are near the brokenhearted, that you are near the ones that need you. Help us to lay our fears, help us to lay our anxieties at your feet. Help us to trust in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you promise that never will you leave us, never will you forsake us. So we confidently say that you are our helper and we will not fear. What can man do to me? What can this world do to me if you are with me? We thank you. We love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you peace. The peace that comes from, not from from this world, but a peace that comes from the Lord that has conquered everything and has given us the victory. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.